Hey, thank you so much, uh, church. Uh, man, you guys have done such an incredible job welcoming our family. Uh, my wife, who's sitting right over here, uh, right there, we're, we're so grateful to be here. And um, man, we're just excited about what God has done in this church, and we're excited about what God is going to continue to do in this church. Um, I have a question for you guys uh, real quick. How many of you guys uh, like math? I'm not a big math guy, to be honest with you. Like, I, I'm grateful for the people who are. How many of you guys actually like math? Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. We would have incorrect change all the time without people like you. Um, I'm just, I just was never very good at math. I didn't love math a lot. Uh, but do you remember, like, going through school and, like, the different stages of math? Do you guys remember this? I'm, just, I'm so grateful I don't have to take more math classes. Like, this is just, it's just unreal. Um, but do you guys remember, like, taking math classes? Like, I remember, like, you know, in high school, we start out in Algebra 1. Some of you, like, I see some, like, PTSD coming back in your head a little bit. You're like, we're not, we're going to talk about Algebra today? But um, I remember Algebra 1, and, you know, why did they teach you Algebra 1? In order to get you prepared for geometry. And then why did they, what did you learn in geometry, and what did that prepare you for? To get to Algebra 2. And then why did we learn Algebra 2? To get us ready for pre-calc, duh. You know, it's, it's, why do we learn pre-calculus? To get us ready for calculus. You guys are smart. You guys are some of the smart ones here in the service today. And then what did, what did getting ready for calculus, what did that prepare us to do? Obviously, quantitative analysis. Like, we, that's what we do. And what did qualitative analysis prepare us for? A lifetime of using a calculator on our phone. <laughs> that's, what it, that's where we're at. Here's the deal, guys. There is no spiritual calculator. There is no spiritual formula that you can put in to bypass all the different steps that you need to take. Because as disciples of Jesus, we need to be a people who look at our enemies and forgive them. Like We need to be a people who have joy in the midst of the worst thing that could ever happen to us. We need to be a people who can look at someone who's wronged us and say, I love you to that person. And the reality is we cannot just punch that into a formula and then bang, it happens. Because here's what we know. You can't microwave spiritual maturity. As much as I wish I could, and as much as I'm sure you wish you could, and the reality is we're all in a, in a particular place in our walk with Jesus. And if you're in here and you're honest and you're like me, you know that you wish you were over here. And you wish, and you just wanted to, you wish you could just get over here already. But the reality is it's less like a calculator and more like the slow steps of math class. Of you have to learn something over here before you take the next step. And being a disciple of Jesus is all about the slow, methodical progression of this thing called sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus every single day and building on what God teaches you right there. And you can't go to the next thing unless you learn what God wants to teach you in this particular stage. And you have to know, you have to learn what you have here in order to get to the next stage. You can't bypass anything. And in this series, Table Talk, we're really talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it means to, to grow in the spiritual maturity. And, and Pastor Bruce, a couple weeks ago, talked about what it means to be a disciple. 
And there are three primary things that we talked about with, with being a disciple. And the first one is that a disciple of Jesus is, is committed to following Jesus. And this is like intellectually, I've understood and I've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus with everything. But it doesn't stop there. A disciple of Jesus also is committed to being changed by Jesus from the inside out, from your heart all the way out to everything. But then a disciple of Jesus is also committed to the mission of Jesus. It's a disciple of Jesus is not someone who just like thinks about it and knows intellectually or just even themselves have been changed. A disciple of Jesus is all about active, being activated for the mission of God. And we said it like this, it's, it's about your head, it's about your heart, and it's about your hands. We talked about the, the five different chairs to the table. And last, or a couple weeks ago, we talked about, or last week, we talked about the unbeliever chair. And then this week, we're talking about the infant chair. And then we'll talk about the child chair, the young adult chair, and the parent chair. And I just want to remind anyone who's in here, and maybe you're in that unbeliever chair still. Maybe you're not like totally sure where you stand with Jesus. Can I just tell you that there's room at the table for you? There's room at this church for you. You know, you don't have to believe in order to belong first. We want you to know that at this church and at this table, there's room. And spoiler alert, there's so many people in here who have been changed by the grace and the forgiveness of God, who have received salvation, and they have experienced the incredible joy that that brings, and they want that, and we want that for you. So for whatever reason why you're here, maybe you're here because you, you love your mom and you want to make her happy, or you love your grandma, or you're trying to impress a girlfriend or something like that. Like whatever it is, whatever brought you here today, thanks for being here. And if, you, if I would be so bold to ask you to do something, you know, I just, what if, what if today you just asked yourself and asked God this question? I mean, what do you have to lose? Like what, what do you have to lose? You don't have to, I give you permission to not listen to anything else I have to say for the rest of the message if you ask these two questions to God, okay? The first question is simply, God, are you there? And the second question says, God, if you are there, could you like show me who you are? Because we really do believe that when you earnestly seek God, you'll find him. So that's our prayer for you. And for the rest of us in here who have been changed, who have, who have accepted this radical salvation of God, who have turned from their sin to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the best thing that could ever happen to you. It's unbelievable. We, we love that we get to do this. And once you accept Jesus, you now get into the infant chair. And I feel supremely qualified to talk about infants because right now I currently have one. This is my daughter, Eleanor. Uh, she just turned one. Uh, that's clearly not our chair. We were in Ikea. And you can just take photos and not pay for it. It's great. But I... Infants are so interesting. Infants have this effect on the people around them. Are you aware of this? Like infants, like I'll, I'll be out with Eleanor at the mall or something and people will just stop and just say, oh my gosh, that baby is so sweet. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know. They're all, she's amazing. She's incredible. Like infants have this ability for, to, to turn an introvert to an extrovert for a split second. Not very long, but just for a split second to say, hi. It, babies and infants have the ability to take a man who has the deepest voice, and make him say, hi. 
hi, and just do that. It's incredible, and, and spiritual infants are the same. We get excited, I don't know about you, but I get excited when I see somebody who just decided to, to believe in Jesus, to turn for the sin, and trust him. Man, it's incredible, I, I wanna hear their story. I wanna know what life has been like. I wanna, I wanna see what their experiences have been like because it's so incredible. And I wanna celebrate with every single person who has that. And what I love about new Christians and like infants in their faith is that everything is new for them, just like a little baby. Like every time we see Eleanor do something, we're trying to get her to walk. Don't judge us, she's not walked yet. Um, she's scooting on her knees though, so that's fun. Um, like every time she does anything, we're like, oh my gosh, you see that? You see that? And it's amazing. We love it. And just like with a new believer, anytime they step out and do something that God would want them to do, we're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, that's incredible. And it may not be a lot, but it's incredible because they're taking their first step. And it's so, it's so incredibly impactful. And what I love about new believers and, and infant believers is that oftentimes they know that they have been changed by Jesus and they have incredible zeal for Jesus, but that's just about it. They don't really know a lot, um, not because they're, they're dumb, they just are babies. They don't know, know a lot of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And one of my favorite stories that illustrates this is uh, something that my family and I joke about all the time because my older sister, Tiffany, when she was five, she, that was the time for her where she, like, she accepted Jesus as her savior. She turned from her sins and she trusted. And you don't know a lot at five just in general, but you definitely don't know a lot about being a disciple of Jesus at five. But Tiffany had zeal. Like she is a passionate person and she wanted to just, she like, her life was forever changed. And so she said she went to school that next day and then, and then she saw her friend Priscilla and she goes, Priscilla, I've got to tell you about something. And she told her, like, you need to get saved. You can pray right now. And Priscilla said, I don't want to, Tiffany. And she goes, no problem. I'll pray for you right now. Let's do it. Come on. And, I, and, she, and Tiffany said she prayed for Priscilla to accept Jesus right then. And then she came home and she told my, my family, they're like, hey, uh, I told Priscilla about it. Um, she didn't want to, but I prayed on behalf for her. So she's now a Christian. <laughs> and my parents were like, I don't think that's how it works, honey. Like, but off, like, spiritual infants, they just are excited. And they don't know anything. And it's so fun. Have you ever heard a new Christian pray? Man, it is so pure and awkward and awesome. It's so fun because it's like no one has like taught them all the, you know, sometimes you put so many like things that this is how you're supposed to do a lot of things. Like just a person talking to God. It's amazing. It's so, so incredibly fun. And I love what 1 Peter 2.2 says about spiritual infants. And it says this, it says, like newborn babies, Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So many people, all the people who have accepted Jesus have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and they know it's, it's a good thing for them. And so they just, it's so incredible. To, the, all the new experiences with churches is incredible. Seeing, uh, you know, hearing new teaching about God is incredible. And being, you know, reading your Bible for the first time is incredible. And it's just, it's this new thing for them. But here's the thing that we have to recognize about this, this stage and this chair at the table you, uh, you always start out as an infant right after you get saved, but you actually, it doesn't just stay with people who are brand new to their faith. Sometimes you can actually still be in the infant chair having been a Christian for a very long time. And the writer of Hebrews, as he's, 
he's writing in chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, and he says, you know, he's, he's giving this incredible overview of who Jesus is, and he's, and he's diving deep into the, the complexities of all the things that Jesus fulfilled for us. And, it's, he's, and he's going, and he's tying things back from the Old Testament, and it's just new revelations of who God is and how God has actually worked from the beginning of time to now. And then he just stops. He stops everything. And he says, and he, and he gives us a, a message and a warning. And this is what he says. He says this in, in Hebrews 5, verse 11. He says, we have much to say about this. We have a lot to say about what I'm continuing to teach you about who Jesus is. But it is hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk is still an infant. He's calling these people, you're being a baby. And that's like, and if you're like a little kid and someone calls you a baby, that's like fighting words, you know? Like, I, how dare you say that to me? And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you guys are being babies right now. The people who have been in, who have been in relationship with Jesus for so long, but, and you, honestly, by the time, all the time that you spent, you ought to be teaching other people, but you yourselves, you're kind of so dull that you just stopped growing and you stopped understanding what it means and like understanding the, the elementary truths of scripture, And it goes on to say, anyone who lives on milk is still being an infant, not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish from good from evil. And the writer of Hebrews, he stops his, his incredible message to deliver an uncomfortable message to his audience. And he says, and, and, and he's, he's saying that, you guys, some of you are still in the infant chair. Like, some of you should have been a little bit further along, but you've just kind of been coasting. You've just been showing up to church. You've just been kind of doing your own thing, but you've never allowed God to, like, actually begin to transform you by stepping into obedience. And I think we all kind of get this concept a little bit. Because, you know, all of us who have, who have kids— uh, maybe, you know, and maybe whatever age your kids are, um, you know, we don't want them to stay as an infant forever, right? Like right now, my daughter drinks a lot of milk. And, you know, like we're, tr- we're slowly trying to transition her to, um, to real food. But it would be weird if my daughter as a 20-year-old was exclusively drinking milk, right? Like that's just, like you think that's weird, I think that's weird, we all think that's weird. And this is the thing that the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's like, listen, you don't have the ability to, to distinguish between what is right and wrong because you don't know how to understand and eat solid food. And you just need this milk. And this milk is great as an infant, but it's not great as an adult. And there's this principle that I believe that the writer of Hebrews is saying here. And he's saying that time spent does not equal spiritual maturity. You could have been going to church for a long time. Maybe you could be involved in a group. Or maybe you were involved with a a lot of different things. But, you know, just by showing up to something, that doesn't mean you're growing. 
And it doesn't mean that you're, you're asking God to challenge you and to grow you. And this is something that I think we all need to be aware of in our own lives. Just because you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it doesn't mean you're spiritually mature. And it's our desire as a church that everybody who is here would become fully formed disciples of Jesus so that you get to experience that all God has for you. So that you'd be able to walk in freedom from the sin that's holding you down in your life. To live in the gifts that God has given you. And to be the blessing that comes when you're activated to be on mission for Jesus. And this is our desire for you. And we want God's best for you. And so in the remainder of the time, I just want to give you two reasons or two things that if you are a spiritual infant, here are the things that you need to do to take the next right step for you. The first thing that I believe that you need to do is you need to create a solid biblical foundation. You know, it says in verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish what good is and what evil is. You know, and if you want to be a person who in this world that's ever-changing with new philosophies, new ideas, new everything all the time, if you want to be a person who is grounded in what God has, has said in his word, then you need to be setting a foundation of biblical principles. And listen, as a spiritual infant, you are not unintelligent. You just, just probably uninformed. You know, you just need the truth. And often we live in a, and, and right now the spiritual infants are living in a culture that is parading uh, different ideas and philosophies. And right now as an infant, you have God's spirit working on your heart, totally transforming you. And you were receptive to it. But what we need to be aware of right now is that there are philosophies of the world and ideas from the world. And you're holding on to the truth of scripture and you kind of put it together for like your own smorgasbord of what you think. And you have your own ideas about this thing over here, and you have your personal opinion over here, and you have this philosophy from the world over here, and then you just kind of sprinkle in some Bible verses on top of it, and this becomes your foundation. But listen to me, when you have a foundation that's not totally full of integrity, you have a foundation that's not totally strong, we know that when the winds and the waves come, it's not going to last. And what God wants for you so badly is to be someone who is not driven around by the winds and the waves of culture and what is currently popular and what is currently not. He wants you to be strong and standing firm in the truth that he brings. This is what God wants for you. And as a disciple of Jesus, the thing that we need to be aware of and the thing that we need to establish first and foremost and then continue this through every single part of our lives is we need to filter everything through God's word. You need to inform your opinion around what the Bible has to say. And a good question for you, if you are wondering if you are doing this or not, is this, is why do you think the way you think? Why do you think the way you think? Why do you think the way you think about the things in your life? Why do you think the way you think about sexuality? Why do you think the way you think about money? Why do you think the way you think about injustice? 
as disciples of Jesus, we need to be a people who don't go to our own personal opinion because I don't know about you, but like I'm like here, there, over here tomorrow. My heart is not reliable to, to anchor my soul. And the philosophies of the world are ever-changing. There are new ideas constantly. What is okay today was thought crazy 20 years ago. Like it's going to ever, forever change. And so what we need to be doing as a disciple of Jesus, especially as an infant, and we need to set our foundation on God's word so that, like verse 14 says, we can distinguish between what is good and what is evil. What philosophies are good and what philosophies are evil? What teachings are good, what teachings are evil? This is what we need to be doing. And establishing these biblical foundations is so good because really it's just a declaration of truth. And we're searching for truth. I think everybody is searching for truth. There's so many different plays on what is truth and what is not. You know, we live in a world where truth doesn't seem to matter a whole lot. We, we think that truth is kind of relative. It, just, it depends on a lot. But the Bible is, is pretty clear that there is truth. And I believe truth is, is God's truth. And what truth does is incredible. The truth actually will protect you. If, you. if you dive into God's truth, God's truth will protect you. It'll show you where the pitfalls are. It'll show you where the things that you need to be aware of are. But not only does it protect you, truth guides you. It shows you where you need to go. If you feel today that you lack purpose, you lack direction, can I just invite you to step into God's truth, to dive into God's truth, to explore what God's truth is all about? And then the other thing that truth does, it's truth empowers you. Maybe today you know what you feel like God has called you to do. Man, you just need God to empower you, to give you boldness, to be able to step out into faith and obedience. And a lot of this comes when you just know what, what is right, what is wrong, what God wants to teach in your life. And a verse that has so anchored me through so many seasons of my life has been this Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of the hit scriptures of the Bible. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't do what you think is right. Don't do what your opinion is. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. He will direct you. That's what we need to be about. We need to set a spiritual foundation, a biblical foundation, filtering everything we do through the Bible and through God's word. And the second thing that I believe is, is so important that a spiritual infant needs to understand is a spiritual infant needs a spiritual parent to walk with you. You know, right now, um, my daughter can't really do hardly anything on her own. Uh, she needs constant attention, and she needs constant management and care. And am I mad at her about that? No. She's a baby. I'm so, I'm, as her father, I'm so happy to come alongside of her and to help her and to take care of her and to be with her and to show her and to train her what is right and what is wrong. And as spiritual parents, we need to do the same. And what spiritual infants need is someone to come alongside of them who are just a little bit further along in their faith than we are. And we need to come along and just, and just help us navigate different things. You know, a couple weeks ago, I got coffee with one of the guys here at our church, and he was telling me a story of how 
um, you know, a couple years ago, he was at a really low moment in his life, and he kind of stumbled onto this campus looking for church. He wasn't really he wasn't really looking for church, he said, but he just came here, and he met Pastor Gregory and Pastor Jim, and he said, and it was here for the first time that he was actually able to be at a spot where he received the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And it changed everything for him. And it was there where he accepted Jesus as a savior. He said, I grew up, I grew up uh, knowing about the gospel, knowing about Jesus, but it changed when I, I came here. And I love that. And I love that our, that our church is full of stories like that. But one thing I love so much is that the story didn't stop there for him. He said, and it was at this time where there was this guy who was a little bit older than me and a little bit further along than me in, in his spiritual walk. And he came and he kind of took me under his wing and he showed me what it meant to be a man after God's own heart. He showed me what it meant to, to follow Jesus. He showed me what it meant to, to live a life that, that honored Jesus, to, to grow in my discipleship towards him. And I love that. I love that, that we, can, we can help each other I love that it's, it's not only just the responsibility of the spiritual infant to try to take their next step to figure out what to do, but actually it involves the entire body of Christ coming together and saying, hey, you see, oh man, let me help you with that. I can help, oh man, that's so, I, that, I, I've been there before, I know what you mean, let me show you what this is over here. And spiritual infants, they just, they just don't know what they don't know. You know, one thing that my daughter started doing lately is when we, when we are in the car and we, we, you know, stop the car and we're starting to get out, she starts to scream as if we're going to leave her in the car. And we've never left her in the car, just by the way, just I need to throw that out there. We've never left her in the car. But it's like, I'll see like, she screams like we have. And so like when people walk by, we're like, she's just fooling around. She's, we've never left her in, you know, it's fine. But we, uh, so I always, I always try to tell her like, hey, honey, it's okay. We're not, we're not going to leave you. Come on. It's all right. And as spiritual parents, when we see our friends who are younger in the faith and something's going on and they start screaming in the car, we can be like, hey, 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 it's okay. God's not going to leave you. Come on. We're okay. We can get through this. We've got this. You've got this. It's okay. And I love, I love what a parent does for people because the parent, he loves that person. A parent just, that's like one of the core foundational things about being a parent, right? Is that you love your kids. You love them. And a parent sees the best in that child. A parent will call out the gifts and abilities in that person. They would say, listen, I feel like God has gifted you in this way. And I believe that with some training, some work, that you could actually work that out to be used by God to do some amazing things. A parent will lovingly correct them. A parent will warn about pitfalls. And a good parent models what a life that is changed by Jesus is. You know, that's one of my favorite things about who God is. Um, He actually gives us permission to look at people in our lives who have worked out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And he says, hey, I know there's there's a lot of stuff in here that will free you up that you, I want for you. But really, you need to look at this person over here and they've been living this out and you just need to be with, be with them, start to act like them. And one of my favorite verses in, is in Hebrews, chapter 13, verse seven, and it says this. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God into you. Consider the outcome of their life and then imitate their faith. 
don't know about you, but sometimes I just need someone to like show me how to do something. Like I know I can read the directions for a lot of stuff, but like my sister Holly is so good with like putting together things. And I just, I'm like, God, can you just show me how to do this? Like this is my sister Holly who showed me how to change a tire. I know that's probably not cool to say right here, but like I love, like I'm just happy, I'm so grateful for her. I'm like, can you show me what it means? Like I'm so grateful that God gives permission to, to be with people who, who consider the outcome of their life. Are they people he would want to be around? Are they people who display the fruit of the Spirit? Are they people who, when bad things happen, they have this weird joy that permeates through them that's like unexplainable? If that's the case, then imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. You know, simply attending church is a good thing, and we're so glad that you're here, and we believe that God can do some incredible things through what's happening right now. But if this is where it ends for you, then you're missing out. You're missing out on all that God would want for you, both as in all the different chairs represented around the table. Because we want to be a church that puts everybody into groups where different people in different seasons of life get to be around each other. And we, we put people who are in different stages of their discipleship, and then we just watch God work as we form this family of God together. And so today, I just want to ask you a question. Where are you? Like, where are you at with all of this? Where do you feel like God has called you, or where do you feel like God is saying that you are? Maybe you're here today, and you feel like you are kind of beginning this journey with God, or maybe you've been in a relationship with God for a long time, but you feel like you haven't like grown a ton. Can I tell you it's okay? Because there's always today. Today could be that day for you where you like, okay, God, I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to try to establish some, some biblical foundations. I'm going I'm to try to find a spiritual parent. I'm going to do what I, what I can do and watch you do what only you can do. And just as a side note, I feel like one of the, the dangers of hearing a message like this as a spiritual infant is for you to hear what I'm saying and saying all the things that, that you know, about, about growing in your relationship with God, and, and it seems like it's very heavy. And it seems like, man, that's a lot of work to get there. And honestly, maybe you're thinking today that I haven't grown a lot, and I'm, I'm going to start doing this because I want God to love me, and I don't feel like God will really actually love me until I get to a certain point spiritually. Can I tell you today that that is completely false? That it does not matter where you are in your walk with God. God loves you just the same. And there's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more. God loves you because you're his kid. You know, I don't love Eleanor because of what she can do for me. Like, I don't love Eleanor because she does a lot for me, because she doesn't do a whole lot for me. I don't love her because she's good at a ton of things, because she's not good at a ton of things. I love her because she's my daughter. And the love I have for her is not dependent on anything she does. It is dependent because I love her. And there's nothing that she can do to, never, to make her not my daughter and today, maybe you're here and you're feeling this like, ah, I want God to love me more. Just know that that's not the case. 
And the other thing that you may be feeling today is, man, I just, it seems like a lot, Rob. Like the stuff that you're asking me to do to establish a biblical foundation, find a spiritual parent, like that seems like a lot of stuff to do. And honestly, it's just like maybe weighing you down. But here's the invitation of Christ. The invitation of Christ in discipleship is not something to tie you down. It is to free you up and to stepping into the different things that God is calling you to do will only free you up. It is not a burden to carry. God is going to carry the burden. It is something that he wants for you. It is not something he wants from you. And so today, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I just want to ask you, where are you at? What are the things that God is teaching you and showing you right now? What are the steps that you need to take? Remember, you can't microwave spiritual formation. You can't, you can't accelerate the process. You have to go through the process of slow, methodical sanctification. And the good news about God, it as, as we lean into him and as we obey him, he'll show up. And he'll do something in your life that you never thought possible. That's my prayer for you today.